0: Welcome back to Round Guy, the podcast, as we're on the phone with David Fine, voice of the Iowa Heartlanders, the Heartlanders uh, minor league affiliate of the Minnesota Wild. And wild was a great word for this weekend. How, How about last weekend's excitement?
1: I think this team just continues to build in confidence. That's been the theme of the last few weeks here, Dave, is that the confidence level from the guys, from being The youngest team in the league in terms of professional game experience, 15 of the 16 skaters that the Heartlanders have in the lineup this weekend over all three games, a consistent lineup the entire time, which is great um, to have the same guys in the lineup for three straight. And they just continue to show that, you know, even though a lot of the other teams in the league have more experienced guys who have been around for a little bit longer, it just doesn't matter. That the Heartlanders are kind of getting on a little bit of a roll here. The key will be, can this sustain now that the team is back from a long road trip? don't want to keep your foot off the gas, because every game down the stretch here is going to be exciting, and if the team continues to win, every game will begin to feel like a playoff game. So that's the hope in the next few weeks, and excited after a big weekend of wins to continue to uh, build.
0: Well, uh, I'm not trying to skip ahead of the Friday game, but uh, the West Virginia trip, I only have one question. I I couldn't figure out whether you guys were the Hatfields or the McCoys. What was going on out there?
1: (laughs) It was – the team was playing great. Um, I think the biggest thing that from West Virginia is that the Heartlanders were – you know, they matched the physicality, and that's not an easy thing to do. But at the same time, the team didn't play reckless. It's easy as a group when things start getting out of hand to start potentially getting away from the discipline, but the group played extremely disciplined and Wheeling ended up shooting themselves in the foot three times on the the Hartlanders' six goals on the weekend, and they won both. Wheeling shot themselves in the foot three times that led directly to Hartlanders' goals, and I might say Iowa only did the same once. And I think that ended up being the difference in the week. Wheeling on the game-winning goal from Iowa on Friday, a player fell down. They couldn't track the puck. They were trying to check someone instead of playing the puck. And all of a sudden, it's a goal. And Hartlanders score a late goal to win. And then on Saturday, their guy didn't look where he was going and passed it blindly to an area the puck should never go, right to the front of his own net. And our guy was just waiting right there. So that's you know the team played disciplined, well, simple. And when you do that, you can outwork teams and, and get wins, even if sometimes the other team might have a better squad on paper.
0: So this is episode three of Heartlanders Weekly. And uh, in the three weeks that uh, we've been associated with the Iowa Heartlanders, you have been on a roll. Talk, tell us about the point gain that we've had and a little bit about that uh, that period where we're we really getting into the playoff picture.
1: Yeah, right. So we connected, what, back on January 6th, 7th or something, talked about talking that Monday after we had a 10-hour bus ride home. So that weekend, the Heartlanders won two of three. Last weekend, the Heartlanders got at least a point in every game. Of course, you get a point when you lose in overtime, and you get two points if you win. So the Heartlanders had four points in three games, which is a good road weekend. And then last weekend, two cities, more than thousand fifteen 15, well more than 1,000. More than 1,500 miles on the bus, 1,300 miles on the bus. The team uh, wins the last two games of the week. And um, this week coming up, the teams that are occupying the fourth and final playoff spots, they're tied. Indian Kalamazoo both have 38 points. Iowa has 34. And you get two points for a win, one for an overtime loss. Three home games at Extreme Arena. Those are the teams that are coming to town. And all of a sudden you look at it that if you can win two games this weekend, You can jump in front potentially, or at least tie. Uh, Well, if you win two out of the three, you tie. If you win all three, you could potentially be occupying that fourth and final spot. These next two weeks, Dave, are going to say a ton because there's six games. The coaches are just going to say one game at a time. But here's the here's the reality: you're playing three straight games this week at home. That are teams you are currently chasing for the fourth and final spot and then secondly the next week Iowa plays the top two teams in the division in Cincinnati and Toledo on the road and then after that goes to play Wheeling again a place that they just had success then the schedule backs off a little bit and it becomes a little bit lighter for Iowa but if you can win you know I don't want you don't want to project ahead too much but if you can have a, a couple of successful weeks here you are very very much in the playoff positioning coming coming down the stretch of the final two months of the season, which is exciting. Coming in as a first-year team, that's what you want. You want excitement. You want to make sure the fans know that you're playing a good brand and a winning brand of hockey and entertaining for families that are attending from a promotional side, and that's what the Heartlanders are setting up here down the stretch.
0: Well, uh, one of the ways we – you know, I don't think anybody would have thought that three weeks ago we'd be where we are. I don't, I don't think that. Anyone would have predicted that. Uh, But uh, you mentioned we played a little smart hockey up there in West Virginia. I thought we played a little smart hockey there at Rush City. I think we played a little smart hockey there in uh, Indiana, in Indianapolis. And I think we we got some wins just not by maybe outplaying the other team, but by outsmarting them with their – taking advantage of their mistakes.
1: Yeah, we need to do that, and I think the coaches – uh, the, the defensive structure, Dave, is so much better than it was at the start of the year as the, as the young players on this team with a lot of roster turnover were still learning how to be pro hockey players. So you okay. got that going, first off. The defensive structure's been good. Here's the second thing that I, I, I think on game broadcast, I, I maybe haven't given enough credit. So I'm looking back on the game-by-game. Game. After their game on December 10th, our power play percentage was at 14.6% for the season. If you're a good team, you're at 20%, like 20% on the power play is typically the, if you're below 20%, you're trying to get to 20%. If you're above 20%, you're excellent. So keep in mind, this was just 15, 16 games ago. The team was at 15% for the year. Over the last month, that month and a half now, the last six weeks, the team rose up from fourteen point six percent, or you know, just below fifteen. It's now at twenty percent, and a lot of that has had to. If you score power play goals and can keep your percentage relatively tame on the penalty kill, where you, if you win the special teams battle every night, you have a really, really good chance to win. And I'm counting very quickly here, but the Heartlanders are over the last three weeks in particular, have won the special team battle every game but one, meaning they haven't allowed more power play goals than they've surrendered. And power play goals, they're not freebies, but they sometimes feel like freebies in certain sense. You make the other team pay. And so the percentage has gone up almost five points in in six weeks, which is hard to do. So the, the special teams has been excellent as well. And over the last few weeks, it's got about 30% since uh, January 7th.
0: Well, just listening lately, it just seems like the team just comes alive when we got a power play goal. It just seems like they're skating that much harder. And especially that Jake Smith, he really seems to take advantage of those power plays. He
1: is. He has a spot on there. And Kate I, I try Oliver to too. it every time. Yeah. I mean, when you have a, and I was talking with, um, I was talking to one of the players today, talking to Josh Billings just, you know, catching up. And I said, it has to be so much easier when you know a team knows that one of your guys is almost like a specialist on the power play because Jake Smith, he has four of his 10 goals this year on the power play. And mind you, all 10 of his goals have been in the last three weeks. That's the other thing. But he because he is a threat on the power play – it's like in basketball, if LeBron James is out there, you have to send one-and-a-half guys at him. And if you have a guy that's a spe- that can score consistently, on the, the other team has to send and adjust their defense. And what does that do? Well, just like why LeBron kicks it open to a wide-open three-point shooter for the Lakers all the time, it's the same thing here, is that now you have other guys with more time and space to operate. And I think that the emergence of Big Smith has arguably been the most important thing over the last three weeks. Not only has he scored, you know, a bunch of big goals for the team, but the power play as a result has allowed and and his presence on special, uh, special teams. And then at even strength has given more opportunities for other guys to play their style and also get more offensive opportunities.
0: Yeah, that is terrific, man. Uh, so, uh, Anyway, how do we get Jake? Did did he come from another team, or how do we pick him up?
1: Yeah, so about a month and a half ago, uh, about two months ago now, back around Thanksgiving, he was released by the Kansas City Mavericks, whom the Heartlanders would claim as arguably their biggest rival in their inaugural season. And he got released by them, and the Heartlanders needed a body, um, and he had played five games with them. <laughs> and now he's Might Win Player of the Month, so – you love, you love when you have a player on your team that when he scored twice against Kansas City when we played them back in uh, two weeks ago in January January 14th. Like there's nothing better for a coach or a player to be like. We won this roster move, and we you know we claimed him off waivers, and he has been unbelievable for a guy that may have tapped out of the league had it not been. But the Heartlanders needing a body and he could have I'm sure he would have signed somewhere else eventually, but the last few weeks he has been marvelous. And it's been it's been great to see because Iowa needed a goal for now that a lot of their players are becoming regulars up with the Iowa Wild, like Bryce Misley and Chris Bennett. These are guys that the Heartlanders haven't missed. What will the roster look like in three weeks if those guys were to come back? That's what's so interesting about the second half of the Heartlanders season is if the team continues to play like this and then you get your best players back from the American Hockey League, you are talking about a team that can really, really seriously do some damage.
0: You're doing some damage right now with the guys you got. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and, and the one thing we haven't mentioned is that the goaltenders have been uh, ridiculous. Oh, like,
1: Corbin, Kaspers- Corbin Kaspersky is leading the ECHL in saves this month. And you say, oh, well, he's leading in saves. Like... Saves are kind of like kind of like a win-loss sometimes in baseball in certain ways. But he's stopping a ridiculous number of high-quality opportunities from opponents. So that's Corbin. And then you have Trevin Kozlowski, who's one of the more solid rookie goaltenders in this league. And he made 35 saves and was the reason why, arguably, the Heartlanders won on Saturday. So the last three games, you've had Kaspersky get 37 saves and 33 saves, and Kozlowski get 35 saves. And then, if you go back a few weeks, you had Corbin have 30 saves in four or five games. So these guys have been dialed in, and that's part of the
0: reason Iowa had so much success. Well, we won. We won the last two Sundays, two to one. You know. So when you yeah. you just give it. I mean, the, you didn't get much offense, and you still got wins. That was that was uh, pretty awesome on the goal tier. But let me ask you this: Jake Smith was the was the player of the week. Uh, Do they have a coach of the week? I mean, what about our coach? I mean, how about him? Uh,
1: I wish they had Coach of the Week. They don't. Um, I'm trying to pull it up here real quick, and the league has this back-end website that allows you to find, like, it, it's like basically the teams have access to a lot of it and control a lot of it, the league stat, and that's what the league stat service has run through. And so I'm going on um, right now. So, mind you, the Heartlanders have the best goal scorer this entire month in the league in Jake Smith, so that's part one. And then, um, yeah, so he has, he has 10 goals, and I'm just double-checking. It's loading the entire league here. Yes, yeah, so he has 10 goals, 18 points. That's leading the league in goals and points this month. There's only one other guy in the league that has been close to him has nine goals. So if he has another strong week here, he will be probably the front runner for. Yes,
0: you know, he's the front runner
1: already for Rookie of the Month. He's well ahead of anyone else. So he might have the opportunity to win Player of the Month and Rookie of the Month, and then. The, the goaltender that's made the most saves of any team in the league this month. So you have that combo. I mean, that basically just explains why Iowa's done so well this month. That's you know, the best goalie of the month, and you have the best skater of the month. I mean, that's that's why you're
0: at where you're at, you know? Well, let's little, talk a little bit quickly about Cade Oliver. He seemed like he had a big contribution this weekend.
1: Yeah, he's been excellent. Cade um, continues to grow, and his role is different because. He's really good at scoring, but he's also good at getting under the opponent's skin. And so, like, that's one of the reasons why he has been so darn good is because he's chippy, and he's not chippy in a dangerous way. He doesn't take a lot of ridiculously stupid penalties. He can get under the opponent's skin. And it guys play a little bit bigger when you have a guy like that. That's the other thing is, like, the guys on our team are starting to realize that oh, like we're not rook- we you know we're rookies, but we've kind of figured it out. And now you can get to a scenario where you're having players that walk a little bit bigger and aren't scared of you know, but like you know, you know, skill set and what they can do before and after whistles. And you know, cage one of those guys because not only has he been scoring and putting up points. But he's also been giving himself room to operate by playing a like physical game. He can kind of get under the opponent's skin without taking penalties. So I think that's one of the reasons why he has been such an effective force for Iowa.
0: So uh, let's talk about this kind of what I call the Friday problem. Uh, <laughs> the last oh, three weeks, clock, I mean, we Friday got a couple clock, overtime clock. losses and then this this, this Friday, I mean, when you talk about the whole atmosphere of the, the arena and how things are packed, and I knew we're playing the number one team, it's just Saturday and Sunday, we're, you know, almost undefeated here, and uh, Fridays, we're struggling.
1: Yes, yeah, so the last three weeks, the Heartlanders have played on Sunday and won all of them, and then if you even go back to around the start of the season, Iowa won a game at the back end. They call it the three and three, the back end of a three game and three day stretch. But Fridays have been the trouble. Saturdays, and I'm, I'm clicking here real quick because I, I have it written down. I just want to make sure I'm being accurate. So on Saturdays, the Heartlanders have gotten at least a point in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven times the Heartlanders have played a back to back. They've gotten at least a point on that Saturday or the second game of the back-to-back, but on Fridays the team is like six or seven games below 500, and then on Sundays the team has been lights out the last three weeks. So I talked to Derek about it, our assistant coach, um, on the bus ride back. The 13 we had 13 hours to chat about whatever we wanted, so we chatted for a minute about that. And he, the coaches, are aware of that. Like they don't think it's necessarily a problem. They think that what needs to be done is just implement certain strategies that they've been talking about on Saturdays and Sundays when your legs are a little bit more tired and remind the guys like hey like you don't need to be any fancier or anything like we don't have to play any different on Friday than we the way we're playing on Saturdays and Sundays which is being hard and physical and also good defensively is probably just the scenario there like just because you're your legs feel good doesn't mean that you should, you know, try to be super fancy and therefore potentially kill yourself with turnovers. So I think that's all that that is.
0: So let's talk about. We had a really good game, I thought, against uh, the the Walleye there in Toledo. I know that's a great arena and a wonderful atmosphere. So uh, let's let's talk about some of the positives that of that night.
1: Yeah, Friday was great. The Heartlanders played didn't play their best game, but Toledo is one of the most skilled teams in the league. They're going to be tough to beat. On their they, here's the stat that I've said a few times on the air. They've had at, one at least one, at least 23 home games each of the last five years. And that, that the COVID season doesn't count because they would have had 10 home games in the final month of the year and they already had 20 home wins. But the other five years, they've had at least 23 wins at home. And this year they haven't lost a regulation game at home since um, November. So it's been th- two, three, getting on three months of them being undefeated at home, uh, not losing in, in regulation. But the Heartlanders played super well in that they fought back two or three different times in order to pull within one. And they that was a game that earlier in the year, it may have been 4-5-1 or five, one Toledo. Instead, it was 4-3. to three. And Iowa traded, you know, they just traded goals with them. Other than a minute and a half stretch in the second period where Iowa had two turnovers, they played fantastic.
0: Yeah, I thought it was a great game. And uh, then we get out to uh, to West Virginia and uh, five seconds into the game, uh, the fight's on.
1: Yeah, um, that was just a scenario where the guys settled it amongst themselves. There's something that is um, honorable about a guy being willing to stand up for himself, and, you know, Cole Stallard was in the fight there two seconds into the game, and he said – he answered the call. Like, he, he was asked – he had hurt a guy on their team, and he was suspended for it. So you might think, oh well, he was suspended. Is that enough justice? But you know, guys have long memories, and Wheeling is second in the league in penalty minutes.
0: So it just created. What happened
1: was, what? Yeah, I mean, Wheeling was gunning for big hits in the first period, and they missed a, you know, a couple of them. Iowa scored two goals in the first part of the reason they did and scored the first two goals of the game was Wheeling gave Iowa four power plays in the first period. A lot of it was because they just couldn't let it go. And it was like, it was insane. It was like they were just trying to, they weren't playing their game. And so it's great if you do that and the fans love it and their fans were going nuts. But I'm like, okay, it's two nothing Iowa. Cause you gave the Orlanders four power plays and you probably should have only given them one. What? So that's part of the risk.
0: You were going crazy. You could hear the stadium going crazy. I know the people like me with the headphones on, they were going crazy at home. And then uh, like you say, they just lost focus. I mean, and they just let us beat
1: them. Yeah, like that was the other piece, too, is that you need, as a team, to recognize that you're only going to hurt yourself if you give the other team power plays that you shouldn't. And so if Iowa didn't get those power plays in the first period, they may have not set up the game-winning goal with a, with two, 2.30 left from Joe Widmar. So that's, you know, it was 2 nothing and then Wheeling played better for the next 40 minutes. But because Wheeling played poorly in the first period, Iowa probably only played the better game for maybe 20 minutes of the 60, but they won because Wheeling was undisciplined in the first period.
0: Well, here's what I'm – I mean, I'm not seeing it, but I'm kind of hearing it. It seems like uh, on Sundays, everybody's skating a little tired. It seems like the scoring's yeah. down a little bit. uh uh, just the grind of the week is, is there, but we seem to be on the, you know, edge in those, those uh, tired skating days. Am, am I correct in that? The,
1: the, yeah, The first goal on Sundays, I, I'd be curious because the, the league stat is that you know, is that this is historically throughout the NHL, the AHL and the ECHL. If you score the first goal, you normally win about 70% of the time. The, you win 70 percent of the games you score first so it doesn't mean that if you give up the first goal you should pack it in but a team might only have five six seven eight come from behind wins a year like if you have 15 come from behind wins you're one of the you might be the best team in the league like that it's hard to come from behind consistently and especially because the heartlanders are so young i was 12 and two, i think the number now is 12 and two, or either 11 and 2 or 12 and 2 when scoring the first goal this year that's above seventy percent, you know, winning percentage. But on Sundays, I've always wondered what the stat is because guys are normally tired. It's normally the third game in three on a Sunday, and you give up the first goal or two, and very rarely do you see a team come from behind and win. Now Wheeling answered very quickly on on in the Sunday game, and it was one one just a couple minutes after Iowa scored to make it you know one nothing, but still. Iowa then scores the next goal. So now Wheeling technically has to come from behind twice. You're making them come from behind twice, and they didn't have enough to, to come from behind in the, in the
0: Sunday game. They didn't Art have enough juice mark. left, did they? Because uh, it seemed like they had to kill off three or four minutes at the end of that game to win it, didn't we?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's I mean, that's why you have a good goalie.
0: Really Man, what, a, what a, a performance goalie, right? uh, he put in this weekend. I mean, I was, you know, I mean, we could – just one, you know, this guy just give up one more goal here and there, and we would lose a lot of games, you know, because we never win more than by two.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's been insane. Like his performance has been. The goaltenders have been. You can talk about how Jake Smith's, but if you give up five goals a game, you lose. And I was giving up less than three goals a game over the last two months. Yeah.
0: Well, well, we we've, so
1: but, are giving up less than three goals. If you give up less than three goals a game, you're in a really well
0: game. A it,
1: hockey game like the NHL because the average NHL score is four, to three. the average is seven goals per game. So, if you give up three or four, you because of Iowa giving up less than three goals a game over the last half, a really
0: so uh, we got some big games coming up this weekend. Uh, the Heartlander fans have been uh, basically neglected for a month. Uh, Home ridden. So yeah. we got this three-game homestand coming up. Let's go over it one game at a time, and let's give uh, the the fans, you know, let's, get them, let's give them some reasons to come out here. Now, this first game yeah, is Wednesday. Wednesday, right? Yeah, Wednesday, 7
1: p.m., college night. Discounted tickets for college students and even faculty with a you know, student ID or .edu email address if you're faculty. Friday is Boy Scout Night, so it'll be a good night you know to honor local Boy Scouts and that type of stuff. And Friday's against Kalamazoo. Saturday is the big Marvel superhero night, so the first 1,000 fans that attend get a Marvel superhero limited edition poster. And then we have um, like ticket packages that are if things are on, on the Harvaders website. So ticket packages that explain how you, know, you get and you're guaranteed and you posters for your kids or for yourself. They're pretty cool-looking posters. We just published a photo of them on social media. Teams wearing specialty jerseys, and there'll be a silent auction in-game is the plan, a silent in-game auction for the Marvel superhero jerseys. I have not seen them yet. So normally they get here about two or three days before the game. Um, and so the jerseys are run through the league And we will be having a Marvel Superhero Night specialty-themed jersey that will feature, I can tell you, it'll feature Rocket Raccoon. Um, And then I think Kalamazoo is wearing specialty Marvel jerseys as well, but I'm not sure what they are wearing that night.
0: It's going to be an exciting weekend. Everybody's all pinned up to get out and watch them. But let's go by these games. Now, is it Indy we play first?
1: Indy on Wednesday, Kalamazoo on Friday and Saturday.
0: Okay, so... uh, I I really focus in here just on this indie game because if we win this game, we cut the lead by two, right? We cut it in half from four to two, right? The, yeah, it would it would be cut in half. So um, we would be I'm right on the cusp on of a playoff spot. Yeah, and,
1: on Wednesday, Kalamazoo is off, so it would be cut in half. So the Heartlanders would only only be two points out of fourth in the division um, after. Uh, after the game that they win.
0: So that is, that is, uh, so then uh, what about this Kalamazoo team? We, we just faced the Indy team and we just beat them on the, the Sunday uh, performance. Um, so we can beat them. Uh, what about this Kalamazoo team? What what are they, what kind of uh, problems yeah. are they going to present?
1: Yeah, Kalamazoo is really good. They are always one of the more consistently physical like they're the way that Iowa play. They're big. They're heavy. They lean on you, as the coaches say. They have talented scorers, veteran players. They're one of the older teams and heavier teams in the league. So Kalamazoo is has been solid like this, and they have a coach that's been there for more than a decade. His name's Nick Bootland, who used to play for them, um, and they play a like they're not fancy. They don't. Shoot themselves in the foot often, and like remind you, the reason the Heartlanders won this past weekend was in part because the Indy or because Wheeling shot themselves in the foot a couple times. They gave away the puck. They took penalties, but Kalamazoo does not really suffer from that type of that type of issue. They've had a ton of roster turnover but they still remain one of, I'm looking at it now, they're the sixth oldest team in the league, and by professional games played, they have the second most professional games played on their roster. So that's going to be a challenge in and of itself that you're going against an older, experienced, sort of not a lot of nonsense group, but Kalamazoo has struggled a lot over the last few weeks. They've coughed up that fourth and final playoff spot they're Seven and ten on the road. They're on a four-game losing streak, but before that, they were on a three or four-game winning streak. So they've been streaky in a similar way that Wheeling and Indy have been streaky. You hope you get the bad side of the streaky from both of these, from both teams coming to town this week.
0: Well, uh, when me and David Fine get on the phone, uh, time gets out of hand real quick, and uh, you <laughs> know I love to talk about. I got more questions than he probably anticipated this week, and I kind of run us a little That's long. Fine. Get out and support the Heartlanders this week. We're down to less than a minute. Uh, you got anything you want to say before we cut it off? I am
1: ready to roll this week. It's going to be good broadcast. Um, Saturday, we're on, on Mediacom MC22 as well. So we want to make sure that those watching back at home have as good of a reason to, uh, you know, come to a game. So we need the fans. We know a lot of season ticket holders listen. So we need the fans to uh, to get out and support and make noise and show uh show Iowa, Eastern Iowa, what we're all about. So we're excited for that.
0: Heartlanders Hockey on Round Guy, the podcast, episode three. Thanks so much, David.
1: Thank you.